we do this show from the heart of New York City. But wherever you listen, uh, chances are you know something about New York. And I hear all the time from people that have either already moved out of New York to places like Florida, Pennsylvania, the Carolinas, wherever, or the people are thinking about moving out of New York because in their view, the New York that they fell in love with, the New York that they grew up with, may not exist anymore. Well, I am very, very pleased to be joined in studio by a gentleman who is an expert on the New York of yesteryear. Kevin J. Walsh is the founder of Forgotten New York, a website and a series of tours dedicated to the things not covered in the standard guidebooks. He's also the author of the book, Forgotten New York, Views of a Lost Metropolis. Kevin, thanks so much for coming in today. Hey, Frank, it's good to be here. You know, I'm, I'm amazed to be on WABC. I'm, I'm sitting here with the ghosts of... Uh Dan Ingram and Bob Grant and uh, Don Imus, and I, it's almost hard to believe I'm here. Well, hey, well, don't do anything to let their ghosts down uh, <laughs> while you're here. So uh, t- tell folks, if they're not familiar with your website, which is a terrific website, what exactly is Forgotten New York? Well, uh, it began back in uh, 1998 when I decided to start taking pictures all over town. Of it, Basically, it's about infrastructure. It's about the things you see in the street, the lampposts, the mailboxes, uh, and uh, out-of-the-way neighborhoods, parks that uh, don't get in the guidebooks. Uh, I decided to do uh, a website and a, and a, and a book, uh, later on a book, um, about the things that are not covered in all the New York City guidebooks, such as uh, the cast-iron lampposts that you see in the street or the, the – uh, the old mailboxes that were attached to telephone poles. And it gradually grew and extrapolated over the years into a little bit of an architecture site, a little bit of a New York City history site. I touch on all that, and I throw in a little bit of personal anecdotes along the way just to keep things light. Um, So we started out in 1998. We did some uh, photography all over New York City. And amazingly enough, the genesis of Forgotten York, the website, also is uh, was the genesis of the TV show The Big Bang Theory, and I'll explain that wow. to you. Uh, when I, Forgotten York began an idea in my head when I was sitting in my office at Publishers Clearinghouse, the direct mail uh, giant in Port Washington, um, and they had an art director there. His name was Steve Malaro. Now, Steve Malaro and a couple of his friends had uh, published a website way back in the in the Stone Age of uh, of uh, websites, mm-hmm. the internet in the nineteen nineties. They called it Stet Magazine. Stet Stead? Stet S T E T. It's a printing term that means leave things the way they are. Uh, I've always been working in the printed in the print sphere. Uh, I've been a copywriter, um, a mechanical artist, a proofreader, uh, and Right now, I'm working at a uh, publisher called Marquis Who's Who. Um, Steve, when he learned that I was going to do a website, Forgotten New York, I had sketched it out on a pad what I wanted to do with the categories and everything. He gave me a little bit of software called uh, Adobe Page Mill. And the first few pages, first year or two of uh, Forgotten New York was composed on Page Mill. To cut a long story short, Steve Malaro later left. Uh, Clearing House. He moved to California. He got involved in the television industry, 
And for many years, he was what they call the showrunner for The Big Bang Theory. One of the and, pop, most popular shows on network television yeah. for a long time. So, you know, Forgotten New York and Big Bang Theory are sort of twins. In a way <laughs> That's of very funny. They're cousins. So what are the criteria for something that you might choose to feature on uh, Forgotten New York, the website? You, you mentioned the old-fashioned mailboxes attached to telephone poles, the old-fashioned lampposts. Is it just something that used to be but generally no longer is? What are the criteria for it's, inclusion? Uh, it's something that points back to the past of New York City. Uh, I'll give you a little example. Uh, in Greenpoint, if you walk around Greenpoint in Brooklyn, the northern end of Brooklyn, if you look up at the corners of the buildings, and you can do this in Manhattan too, but I'm going to use Greenpoint as an example. Uh, there are the street names are carved into the buildings because that's how they identified streets long before they started mm. posting street signs on lampposts and telephone poles and all that. Way back in the 1800s, they used to carve the names into the sides of the buildings. So if you're unfamiliar with Greenpoint, I know many of the listeners are, the streets are arranged in alphabetical order from Ash, the A Street, down to Key, the Q-U-A-Y, the Q Street. Well, some of the, some of the uh, 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 carbon, carved signs on the, on the buildings have simply a letter, M Street, N Street, uh, because that was the former naming scheme of the streets of Greenpoint. Instead of let, uh, names in alphabetical order, they simply named them letters. There are also other buildings that have names, such as Clinton, uh, Prospect, and that was the naming scheme, scheme even before that. So if you walk around the streets of New York City and you look up at the corner of the buildings and you see that there was a sign of the name of the street carved into the building, sometimes that's that name is not the current name of the street. Oh, it's interesting. It's the former name. That's how you can tell. That's a little bit of New York City history there. That's pretty neat. Uh, we're talking with Kevin Walsh. Uh, if you want to check out his website, it's a terrific website. There's a lot of great uh, content on there. Um, you can just go to forgotten-ny.com. That's forgotten dash ny dot com when did you start doing these tours well the tours started in june of 1999 uh our first tour we did broadway but i don't mean broadway in manhattan <laughs> i mean broadway in brooklyn and we met on kent avenue and broadway in brooklyn we walked almost the entire length of the street under the elevated train uh we point i pointed out as we walked some old buildings, I give the history of the building, uh, some you know ancient si advertising signage. I pointed out where that was. That's what you get with a forgotten New York tour. You're not going to get the usual uh, the usual obvious things that a lot of – I'm not putting them down. No, of course, yeah. Uh, a lot of the obvious things that – Right, you're not you're taking people guys. to the Empire State Building no. and things like that. No, I, although I do call the Empire State Building the king of all buildings on mm -hmm. the website. That's, all, that's, that's how I refer to it. Now, you mentioned um, advertising signage for products that may no longer be there. That's actually what prompted uh, my interest in uh, talking to you and because we were taking calls from listeners about signs that they've encountered 
for products that are no longer there. And since then, people have been sending me images of uh, different things that they're encountering. One person just last week sent me a John Lindsay uh, sign. That's a Flatbush. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, what, what are some examples of signage that's out and about in New York that people might find that for products that don't necessarily exist anymore? Well, Frank, you're going to see these all over New York City. There's a, And it's beautiful typography on these signs. They are white signs with blue lettering in sans serif, in sans serif type. Rex Cole. Now, Rex Cole was an uh, was a manufacturer of refrigerators, uh, and his brand of refrigerators were uh, produced in the 1930s. He had a tremendously large uh, showroom in Bay Ridge at Fourth Avenue and 64th Street. That building is still there, although it's been uh, it's been renovated, so it doesn't look like it does in the old photos. But all all over town, there are built there were buildings in the 30s that uh, purchased. Uh, the Rex Cole brand, the refrigerator, and uh, they put the sign on the building outside, uh, on the overlooking the sidewalk. And and there, I I was on a walk on Second Avenue just a couple of weeks ago at Sixth Street, East Sixth Street, where the old Fillmore used to be. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there are two of them right there on the corner. Um, but you can spot the. I've seen them in the Bronx. I've seen them in Brooklyn. I've seen them. I haven't seen them in Staten Island yet, but they're all over town. Another frequent painted sign, and this goes back to the 1800s, the late 1800s, is for Castoria. Mm. Do you remember commercials for Fletcher's Castoria when you were a kid on I, television? Actually, I don't know that I do, actually. Uh, there was a, a mild children's stomach remedy, and it was heavily, heavily advertised on buildings back in the from 1890 through 1920. And uh, the guy who invented this stuff was Charles H. Fletcher, and he had this florid signature style, and it was on all the buildings. They also was the slogan, children cry for Fletcher's Castoria. No <laughs> doubt the stuff was horrible tasting. But uh, I think it's still available if you, if, you, if you go to a drugstore, they could point it out to you. But it's uh, nowhere near as popular as it used to be. Did they – was that a lot more common as a means of advertising back then – Painting the advertisement on buildings itself rather than uh, having something like a billboard? Well, you know why uh, painted ads were so popular? It's because in Midtown Manhattan, there used to be elevated trains all over the place. Mm. On 2nd Avenue, 3rd Avenue, right here, used to be one. 2nd Avenue, 6th Avenue, 9th Avenue. And people would paint ad- ads on the buildings so that the people, people would see the them on the trains going them. by. Interesting. Interesting. When did the elevated trains in Manhattan? Go away. Um, the Second Avenue well disappeared in 1940. Uh, the Third Avenue hung on for a, a while. It ended in 1955, and the Bronx section from uh, the Hub north to uh, Gun Hill Road lasted until 1973. Wow. Um, this, the Ninth Avenue and the Sixth Avenue wells were displaced by the I- IND subway, which uh, began operations in the 1930s. The L's came down in anticipation of the IND opening. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were driving into Manhattan, and on the BQE approaching the UL Carey Tunnel, we saw this uh, big sign for Bruno Trucking, which is uh, no longer there. Now, something like that, why does no one take down the sign? Why do they leave up a sign for a defunct business? What's the sense in advertising a business that no longer exists? Um well, I think in, it's in that sign. I know where it is. It's on Second Avenue in Hamilton. 
uh, it's pure inertia. You know, they used right, to, who's going to do it? That that used to be a hotbed. That area uh, they call it Gowanus. There used to be all kinds of huge neon electric signs. One for Kentile flooring, which mm. no longer exists. That one lasted decades after Kentile went out of business. They just tore that down a couple of years ago. There was another one called Eagle Clothes. Eagle Clothes was a popular men's brand. There was a huge sign on 3rd Avenue and 6th Street in Park Slope. And these are all on the website. You can search them, and you can see what they look like. How much research do you end up doing about the different infrastructure or the different advertisements or the different anything that you end up encountering? Do you end up doing a lot of homework assignments based on things that you discover? Absolutely. I've had to buy an entire bookshelf to hold the books about New York City that I have purchased over the past quarter century. Uh, and I, I, whenever a new book about New York comes out, I always buy it as long as it's, you know, as long as it has something to do with what I do. So you, you've been at this for over 23 years now. What, um, what drives you? I mean, clearly this is a huge passion for you. What sparks your interest to the extent that you've dedicated more than two decades of your life to it? I've often asked myself that. And the answer is, why do you like pizza? Why do you like chocolate ice cream? You can't really explain it. Mm-hmm. It tastes good to you. Well, I do it. I enjoy it. You know, uh, I, I've always had a fascination for it. Uh, the, the seeds were planted in 1962 when every lamppost in my neighborhood was replaced. Uh, they used to be these ornate uh, cast iron lampposts uh, that were colored, they're colored brown, they're shaped like bishop's crooks. You've seen them around. Sure, absolutely. In, you've seen new versions that have appeared. Well, I know where all the old ones are. And in the 1960s, there was a wholesale replacement. And I was five and six years old. And I remembered it. I knew it. I had this fascination for lampposts. I, I know it. I know maybe it's, uh, you know, I, I, I can't tell you why, but I used to f- fill. Uh, tablets with drawings of lampposts. Wow. Um, one of the things that used to be ubiquitous in all five boroughs of New York, now it's sort of like an endangered species, is payphones, number one, and two is sort of the, the cousin of payphones, the phone booth. I can't tell you the last time I saw a phone booth. I don't know what Superman would do today if he <laughs> needed to change real quick. Um, do you have any idea how many payphones are are still out there? Yeah, there are three proper phone booths that you enter and go into and and dial a phone. There are three of them left. They're on West End Avenue on the west side. They're at 66th Street. I think a couple, another one a couple of blocks away in 69th, and there's another way uptown on 100th Street uh, or in the the low hundreds. But if you go into private, you know, or public. Places you'll you'll still see some booths. If you go to New York Public Library, you'll still see some phone booths that you can go into and close the door, and they're still there. Uh, so, in terms of pay phones or phone booths that are on the street, you could still find at least three phone booths in Manhattan. There are three out there on the sidewalk. Only three. There are no more left in the city. That's amazing. Now That's there, amazing. there are the one, the small ones that you stand up next to and talk out in the open. But I'm talking you and I right. are talking Old about school phone booths. Yeah, Superman stuff. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, look, there could easily come a day in the near future when there are no more phone booths in New York. Do you get sad when those days come, when it's the end of an era for a certain type of lamp post or a certain type of mailbox or a certain type of phone booth? 
What I get sad about is when something is actually landmarked, uh, i.e. protected. Uh, New York City has a uh, Landmarks Preservation Commission, and they do landmark things such as they do buildings. Sometimes they can't help it. The uh, Something they landmark comes down anyway. That happened with um, uh, a, a post down on Bridge Street and State Street in New York City. And I'm always sad when they they replaced it for whatever reason. I don't know why. Maybe 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 it was a traffic hazard or something. Mm. Um, uh, we're talking with Kevin Walsh. He's the founder of Forgotten New York. Give us a, an idea of some of the other Forgotten New York tours. Uh, that you uh, that you offer. I know you uh, alluded to the Broadway in Brooklyn tour. What are some other forgotten New York? Tours? Well, uh, we've done over 150. Now there are some places we visited once, and there are some places we've been to multiple times. The most popular tour I've ever done, in which we attracted 65 people, wow. was in 2014. It was the anniversary of uh, the World's Fair in Flushing Meadows. Now I've done that tour about five or six times. Now I should I they'll kill me if I don't mention it. So I do them in uh partnership with uh historical society. I'm involved with Greater Historia Historical Society. I'm also involved with Newtown Historical Society. But uh we visited neighborhoods in all five boroughs. We we we'd like to get to Staten Island more often. Uh and we haven't been able to do them since uh the fall of twenty nineteen. Uh-huh. Because of the pandemic. Yeah. Now Later this year, I'm thinking about getting back into it. Uh, depends on how this new variant goes. Great. Now, something like the World's Fair tour. Um, so many listeners, when we talked about the World's Fair recently, including our owner, John Katzmatsidis, called in with memories about wh- how special the 1964 World's Fair is was for them. And I'm wondering if somebody wanted to go and just look at what remains of the nineteenth uh, of the of the fairground, what should people be looking for? Um, there are things scattered all over the park. There, there is a column that was uh, given as a gift from uh, Jordan by uh, the king. Uh, who was what was the name of the king? Was uh, it, king uh, Hussein. King Hussein. Yeah, he uh, gifted uh, the fair with a column. That was back from the Roman days that, that they had erected. Uh, that's in the shadow of the Unisphere. It's close to the Unisphere. Uh, there are relics from the 1939-40 World's Fair, the New York Pavilion, in which the panorama is is uh, exhibited. That is from the 1939-40 World's Fair. Um, so they're scattered all over the park. You just have to know where they are. So there's still relics from the 1939 and 1940 World's Fair. Yes. That's incredible. That's incredible. What is something um, in Manhattan, for instance, that people may pass on a regular basis on the, on their way to work or on their way to school or on their way home, but they won't notice unless someone like you points it out to them? All right. Um, there's a shop called Village Cigars on 7th Avenue and Christopher Street. Yes. I've, I've been there. Yes. Now, you, um, if you – Go in the front door, and you look on the sidewalk. There is a little triangle in the street. It says, uh, "This uh, is not for public purposes. It's from the Hess family, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Uh, that comes from the fact that when Seventh Avenue was extended downtown to accommodate the IRT subway, they had to condemn a lot of property. 
Well, that little triangle was still in the hands of the Hess family, and it was never uh, sold to the city. And it was it was still in the hands of the Hess family for many years. So who that owns that small triangle? Triangle now. Oh, I think the I think I think the uh, the, the, the city finally the got landlord it. of the Village Cigars building. Oh, got it. it. Okay. Um, so tell me about the book. The the book Forgotten New York: Views of a Lost Metropolis. What are people going to find in there? Well, first of all, the amazing thing about this book is that you know how it is when you want to publish a book. You have to send it out to twenty publishers, twenty five publishers, sure. and get and get twenty. 20 to 25 rejection letters. Harper Collins came to me and said, do you want to do a book? And I thought about it for three seconds. Yeah. I said, sure, I do. Um, the thing about the book, it has 650 entries, hundreds and hundreds of, pay, of, of uh, photographs, and people, you know, it's, it's 15 years after the book was published, and people still, it, it's still selling well. It sells several, cop, several copies a week. Uh, it's never made the Times bestseller list, but it's been a steady seller for 15 years. It's it's amazing. That's terrific. Do people send you a lot of submissions for things that you might want to feature on the website? I get suggestions. Uh, I do have people who help me with the site. Uh, there is a professor at Turo College. His name is Sergey Kadinsky. And since I wanted this weekend off, he wrote this weekend's uh, Sunday page. I do a, a lengthy Sunday page every week. And he did it this week. It's about uh, several of the super blocks and parks that you find in Crown Heights. Yeah, I, I saw that. So tell folks about that. What is a super block, and what might someone see on a super block in Crown Heights? Well, the uh, super block was closed off to the public, and that's happening a lot. Uh, you know, Thirty Fourth Avenue in Queens was closed off, uh, and Willoughby Avenue in Brooklyn was closed off to give people room to walk and walk their dogs and ride their bikes and whatever. Uh, the super block was a, an idea that was first conceived back in the 60s and 70s. And they, they closed it off, and there's a park in the middle of the block. And, you know, wow. that's – there's also uh, – The, the idea being that the residents will benefit from no vehicular traffic. Yeah, yeah. and uh, also there were uh, smaller parks that appeared in Crown Heights back in the early 1900s and late 1800s because uh, Prospect Park was uh, a, a fair distance away from Crown Heights. And so they wanted to give the people out there a chance to, to get some nature and, and go into a park. And that's how parks like Brower Park and Saratoga Park developed. Brower Park is where the Children's Museum is. Uh, I know um, you did a recent post on uh, the street where the Mother Cabrini street sign is. What was What's special about that intersection and where is that? Well, I just thought it was odd. Now, I, I'm, I'm not being critical, but I thought it was odd that they, they named that corner for Mother Cabrini because there's already a lengthy street in northern Manhattan called Cabrini Boulevard that was named back in the 30s, 1938. Uh, it so happens, though, on 3rd Avenue and 19th Street that uh, Cabrini Hospital was nearby and uh. Uh, they it's it's been closed for several years. But uh, they decided the city decided to mark the corner uh, with uh, back in 2019, 2020. I, I have the exact date on the on the page. Do uh, you know where the Mother Cabrini, Mother Cabrini statue is? I've never seen it, but it's supposed to be up. I've never uh, seen it. I, no, I know it was a big controversy at the time. I think it was going to be in Brooklyn, but I don't know where specifically. Um, we're talking with Kevin Walsh. He's uh, with the, a website called Forgotten New York can check out the website and even get the book through there at forgotten-ny.com. I remember about 15 years ago, maybe a little more, there was an article in the New York Times 
about Manhattan's last unpaved street. I think it was a street called Sylvan Place. I, I think it was called Broadway Alley, but again, Broadway, I, Broadway Alley. Yeah, half of it is unpaved, half of it is paved. Oh, okay. And so <laughs> is is that is that street? Still unpaved to uh, this day? It's private street, so I can't get in anymore. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, there's another one. Franklin Place has uh, like very old uh, paving stones on it. And and I think Sylvan Place in Harlem, uptown near Mott Morris Park, uh, that too uh, is lacking pavement. Hmm. Uh, what is in your adventures of the last 22 years doing this? What's been the most interesting thing that you've discovered, most interesting thing that you've seen, something that's really caused you to say, wow? Um, sometimes when I can uh, happen upon uh, cemeteries that I didn't know existed. There's a cemetery at the, right next to the Staten Island Expressway on Richmond Road that is only visible uh, during the winter because of the foliage. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I forget the name of it, but whenever I can – Discover an old burying ground or uh, places where there used to be a cemetery and there's still some stones there. It's amazing. That is. Uh, Kevin Walsh, thanks for coming in. Appreciate the time. And uh, if people are interested in this, I certainly want to encourage them to check out the website, Forgotten-NY.com. And uh, they could check out the book, which is available there or wherever books are sold, Amazon or other book websites as well. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Frank. Appreciate it. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 